can't spell Edgar without Jerry. Well, you can, but Jerry is synonymous with Edgar. He's been there for so long that you can't separate the two. Now, he's got so many stories, and especially about this year. This year's Edgar Wildcats were as dominant as an Edgar team he's seen has been. Matt Enfield talks to Jerry just about that. What this year was like and what this Wildcats team was like, that was one of the best in the state for sure. I'll let Matt Enfield take it away from here. You've got great conversation ahead. Enjoy. Thanks, Noah. We're joined now on the Highlight Zone podcast by a man who needs no introductions to anyone who knows anything about football in the central Wisconsin area, Mr. Jerry Sins, the longtime head coach of the Edgar Wildcats. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Let's start out. We're a new year. Happy New Year. How were the holidays for you and the family? Oh, everything was fine, Matt. Um, we didn't have many people come because of the virus situation, but uh, my son did come from uh, Purdue, he and his wife, my two granddaughters, so they were with us for about four or five days, so it was good. And if you're wondering, we're outside of football season and why we're doing this now. Well, one, I mean, any interview with Jerry is worth the time. Two, we did actually do an interview with him back in November, last couple weeks of the season. We had some technical difficulties, and then between Thanksgiving and Christmas, whatnot, we haven't had the chance to redo it, so we're doing it now. And like I said, it's going to be well worth your time. And on that topic of we're basically now two months removed from football season, let's just start out in a broad sense. You've been around the block. You've coached a lot of years here at Edgar, and you've seen a lot. How would you just sum up the craziness of a high school football season in the middle of COVID-19? Well, you know, kind of going from the beginning, um, we were all ready to go the 1st of August. And, and, and then um, we got the message from the WIA that we were not starting until like September 7th. So we had to try to figure out what to do with our players in the meantime to because uh, they were ready. Yeah, they had been training and they were they were ready to go. We knew what the schedule was, you know, when the scrimmage date was, who the f first opponent was. Uh, we had already done some prep work for our first opponent and uh, and now now uh, that looked like it was going to be out because <laughs> that now that game was going to be off so we just kept working you know the kids kept coming in and I credit you know my assistant coaches uh, Greg Strait, Andrew Lacasco these guys kept coming into the uh, fitness center along with the players and and they stayed in good shape and and just anxiously awaited when we could get started I worked with our athletic director, Jim Stanky, quite a bit on what all the new rules and regulations were going to be regarding practice and water bottles and breaks and all this, <laughs> and showers and locker room. And, but we got it all worked out, and, uh, and we were ready to go when the day came to hand out equipment. So you guys had four games canceled against your original opponents, but you still played every one of those nights that you were scheduled to play just against different teams. Take us through, because I've heard this from a couple of coaches, I want to hear your perspective, the musical chairs of, all right, this opponent canceled because of COVID protocols, now we have to line up a game against someone else, wherever that may be, and just the hectic nature of that. Yeah, it was, it was goofy. It was crazy. I remember when we used to have the playoffs, so we would have a playoff game like on Tuesday and another one on Saturday, and you didn't know until Wednesday morning who you were going to play Saturday, and then you didn't hardly have any practice time to get ready for them. But we used to kind of like the excitement of the unknown <laughs> <laughs> even then. And But this year, it was, it was strange. Um, there were several times on Monday, Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday, that we practice for a given opponent 
and our athletic director might come into coach's office at 5.30 on a Wednesday night and say, oh, by the way, guys, oh, we're not playing Abbotsford now or we're not playing Marathon now or we're not playing Colby now because um, they had a situation come up. And I'll look for a team tonight <laughs> and tomorrow morning, and as soon as I know, I'll let you know. And it would be, well, we only have one day Thursday left to prepare, and that's like pregame walkthrough stuff. But to his credit, uh, Mr. Stanky always managed to find somebody that would agree to play us. And so we, we got every game filled. Um, the first was on Alaska. And then um, I think I I've think got it, it right here. Portage, Portage Shawano, Reedsville. Yep. Shawano and Reedsville. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he kept finding games. And once again, I want to I want to credit the teams that we played with playing us, too. Of course, we were both in the same situation. Um, three of them were on the road. We had to go down Alaska, which <laughs> was a long ways. We had to go to Portage, which wasn't too bad. We had to go to Reedsville, which was a long ways away. Um, a couple of them were having great years, undefeated, and uh, and yet we managed to uh, we managed to pull them all out. Which once again, it was a credit to our coaching staff, and to our players who were very experienced and uh, and pretty mature, and were just able to roll with the punches. How much did the the unpredictability of knowing who you were going to play week to week just allow you guys to tunnel, give you guys tunnel vision on? We're just going to execute what we do well, and at this point, it almost doesn't matter who the opponent is because we may or may not have enough time to prepare for them and adjust for them. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we um, we kind of compared it to our scrimmages. We'd always go into our scrimmages each year, never preparing anything. And then several years, our scrimmage opponents also changed. And the kids would want to know if they could, um, you know, look up some information on Menominee or somebody like that. There was a new team coming into our scrimmage. I say, guys, it doesn't make any difference. It's, it's like a practice. And, uh, and we'll, you know, change it as things go. So, once again, it really helped to have an experienced coaching staff, to have experienced players. Of course, huddle is really handy. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, me, and me not coaching anymore. You're not um, teaching anymore. I mean, I, I could get on there and start looking at things and then mention things to my assistant coaches. And we studied on the bus on the way to a lot of these games. We'd have a defensive scouting report, an offensive game plan. With the players or just what's the coaching staff? No, with the players. And, and I would be on the bus with the players and the other coaches went in the travel vans and the equipment vans. And, um, and we'd be going over stuff on the way to the game. As remember now, this is the keys and here's the keys in offense, here are the keys in defense. And we'd get out of the bus and uh, put our shoulder pads and helmets on <laughs> and go out and play it. Sometimes it would take until the end of the first quarter to really get a feel for what was going on. And uh, but once again, like I said, um, it it was it was kind of fun in a way. I wouldn't want to do it again, <laughs> but but it was kind of fun when we did it. So if it took you until the end of the first quarter in your eyes to really get a feel, I would feel really bad for your opponents if you guys got a feel right off the jump from the opening whistle because despite all the craziness, the dominance that you guys put together was crazy. I'll run down some of the things real quick that stand out. 9-0 record, 44 points a game, and that's 44 points a game in a lot of games where I'm sure even you would admit at halftime, you guys were up 40-plus points, and there was some room to take the foot off the gas and get some younger guys' experience. 
Never gave up more than eight points in a single game, and you beat four teams ranked multiple divisions higher than you. I saw it on multiple Friday nights. You lived it every day. How would you describe the greatness of this team? Well, we, we had some unusual guys, some unusually talented guys. Um, you know, Austin Dahlke was a, a very, very instinctive defensive player. We could play him at any linebacker position or like a strong safety Not position. Not a bad running back either. Yes, and, and blitz him from anywhere, and, and he, would, he would get sacks. Um, if we left him in the same position, obviously it was easier for the opponents to adjust their blocking teams and pick him up. But if we moved him around, well, then it was more difficult. And once again, I'll credit our defensive coordinator, you know, Greg Streit, for yeah, some, some good game plans and, and moved him around. And, and he, he dominated on defense. Offensively, we had a, a lot of speed and a lot of experience in our skill players particularly Kyle Brewster, who just could basically outrun pretty much anybody we played. Yep. And um, so consequently, we tried to get him the ball in space if we could. And if every time we had a clean pass to him or, you know, a speed sweep or something, um, he got big yardage and a lot of times he got a touchdown. So um, those two guys in particular, one on offense and one on defense, now, both of them played defense and both of them played offense, but um, Kyle dominated on offense with 29 touchdowns and um, Austin dominated on defense with 13 sacks and, and another 20 tackles for losses. There are a couple other guys that come to mind. I remember I talked with you and I did a story with you guys last year, the 2019 season, about your quarterback, Connor Wolf and how he could really sling the rock, and you had a really talented receiver in Drew Gooden, who I think what we talked a while back earlier this season, you said, I wish I could get them more opportunities to throw the ball. They're super talented, but we just we run it so well, and everything that we, you know, it's just working that why would you get away from it, right? But you had those options as well on offense. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. Connor was good, you know, very good. Um, and, and Drew was a great receiver. He'd go up for the ball in traffic, and he was fast. Um, Braden Baumgartner was a big tight end who was an excellent blocker and also a pretty good receiver if we wanted to throw to him. And, and we had, you know, some good offensive linemen. Uh, Max Larson was a very smart guy and a, and a big guy, 6'2", 280, 85 pounds. So there were, there were a lot of guys that, you know, played a big part in, in what we did. And maybe... One of the most important things is none of them ever cared who got the credit. They, they just wanted to have a game. And, and when they would find out somebody wasn't playing us, they'd be, Coach, Coach, can we get a game? Can we find a game? <laughs> and as soon as we'd find one, they were all happy again. They just wanted to play and they wanted to be together. And I think that's, that's a big part of why athletics is important is guys develop that fellowship and that team camaraderie, and, and they just have fun being together. Yep, I totally agree with you. I thought in my own personal power rankings of high school football teams in our area this year, I thought you guys were, without question, the best team in the area. I thought Iowa Scandinavia was the second best team in our viewing area. With some, I'm going to put a lot of respect on Amherst. I think they were third. Uh, you guys beat Iowa Scandinavia 56-8 to in the second leg of the, the playoffs or whatever the WIA called them this year. I know it's never easy, but did it feel like it was easy on some nights with this group? Yeah, I mean, once again, several of those games, you know, really shocked me. The Portage game shocked me. The Shano game, 
shocked me. And then, of course, the Iola game again, because we knew watching film that they had some players that were very talented players, quarterback and, and their tailback, and, um, and some guys in defense, one wide receiver that was very good, too. So we knew they had some very talented players. Watching them in warm-ups, they looked bigger than us. We knew they were fast, explosive, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. So the fact that we won that game by the score we did is a surprise to me. I don't think we'd ever beat them that bad if we played them again. If we played them 10 more times, I'm sure the games would be considerably closer. But on that night, for some reason, we were just clicking and, uh, and things were going great. Uh, and speaking of the playoffs, obviously two straight losses at the state title game, and this was a squad that wanted redemption and I think pretty clearly were the odds-on favorites to run away with the D7 title. I know once you get down to Madison, anything could happen, but clearly they were the favorites. Was it tough to keep them motivated at times this year knowing that the gold ball was not waiting for them at the end of the journey? I don't really think so. Um, I think they just wanted to play, and when, when they saw other schools who they knew were pretty good, forced to cancel games, you know, like Colby, we knew they were very good and we were looking forward to that game. And when they, when they found out that Colby had to cancel, um, they, they felt bad for Colby, but they felt happy that we found somebody else to play. So I, I think they basically just wanted to play. And I think in the end, I don't even think they cared that much if we won or lost. Um, I think they just wanted to play and they just wanted to get together again and have fun. And once again, it's, it's a great, compliment to them that they had that type of an attitude. Was there any sort of satisfaction or celebration in winning the two postseason games? Oh, yeah, sure. Of course, we, when we played Pacelli, we played them in the playoffs in the past, and we knew they had a really good running back, and, of course, that game went well for us, too. And um, and the, and we knew that Iola was rated um, like number one in Division Six when we were rated one in seven. Well, then at the end of the year, they put us both in the same division. We were both in six, and we were both undefeated. And so we were actually, I mean, in the kids' minds, they were viewing that as, hey, we could have played Iola at state. This is like a state championship yep. game, and we have to get fired up like we would for a state championship game. Fortunately, we played much, much better this <laughs> year than we did in 18 and 19 when penalties, mistakes, turnovers, and so on did us in. Now, obviously, you guys and Iola are two of the premier football programs in our area. I remember we talked in November because the WIA gave schools the option to either opt into the tournament that they were setting up, but I remember there was also some rumblings of you could set up your own quad with, I believe, if my memory serves me right, it would have been you guys, Iola, Amherst, and Stratford. Do you know whatever happened with that? Because that... Personally, that would have been a ton of fun for any football fan in Central Wisconsin to watch. Did that just not pick up traction? No. Um, I re remember there was another one. It was going to be Mineral Point, Darlington, Edgar, and Stratford or Edgar and Iola. Right. Um, the guys were talking about that, and then some of our guys wanted to see if we could get Oshkosh Lords in there because <laughs> we knew they had a great passing attack, and, and we thought we had a good pass defense. And once again, they were – Guys weren't even that concerned. I don't think about winning or losing. They were just, hey, these guys are really good. Let's see if we can play them. And so it was, it was, you know, amateur athletics, maybe at its best. That they they just wanted to compete. They wanted to play. They wanted to see how good they were. And um, and it was over. When it was over against Iola, I mean, both teams were uh, 
we couldn't shake hands hardly all year, but believe me, the guys were shaking hands yep. and, and happy and appreciative after that game. So talking of the higher-ranked teams and kind of the challenge that your guys wanted to take on and play really good teams, you beat on Alaska, they are placed 12-7. They were ranked in Division Three, I believe, when you guys played them. And I'm not sure how Portage, Shawano, and Reedsville, what division they ended up at the end of the year, but I know when you guys played them, they were multiple divisions higher than you. Portage beat 62-0. Shawano, I was here for that game, 48-6, and it was 41-0 at halftime, I believe. Reedsville, 41-6 at their place. All ranked multiple divisions higher. On that note, Number one, I imagine that had to get the fellas going a little bit more, correct? Oh, yeah, I mean, I think they were happy to play. Yeah, they were happy to play teams that most people thought we couldn't compete against because they knew they weren't going to get to go to state. <laughs> so if, if you can play somebody that maybe, you know, is, is supposedly bigger than you or better than you and you can beat them, then you can kind of convince yourself that, hey, I, I think we could have won state kind of a thing, you know. So we, we never said much about it. Um, you know, as coaching staff, we're just busy trying to get ready. But, um, yeah, I, I think the kids were, were happy about that. Two, were you – I'm sure you guys – you thought you guys had a very good chance to win these games, knowing the group you had. Were you expecting the level of dominance that you put on those teams? No, not really. No, especially not – Shano and Iola. Now, both of those we did happen to get at home. And, Sh and Shano, I was here. You guys whooped them. It was, mean, it was not close. They were, you know, we watched them on film, too, and, and the only team they got beat by was, like, West De Pere or somebody, and, and that was a close game, and we thought, man, these guys look good. And, and they had some really fast, skilled guys. Um, once again, the fact that we had a lot of speed on a perimeter and with skilled guys allowed us to match up well. We're, we're always in the line about as big as most teams. And we had, you know, decent size this year. But in many cases, you know, the bigger schools just have more speed on the perimeter than, than the smaller ones. I think it's the same in c college. Um, pros, it's about equal for everybody. But um, yeah, that, that allowed us to compete and um, defensively and offensively with, with anybody. I think you told me a couple of months ago that you guys would have taken a D1 opponent if it came up on a week-to-week -week basis and you had a game that got canceled. Let me post a hypothetical to you just because it's fun. I certainly feel this way. I'm sure you feel this way that you guys would have won the D7 title this year. How high up the division rankings do you think you guys could have gone and been competitive at the state level? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously we knew that Onalaska won two, off, two playoff games in Division Two. Shano, I think, won two playoff games in Division Two, and, and we beat those teams. So obviously we think we, are, we could have played a couple of Division Two opponents and probably beat them. Um, whether or not a guy could have beat, well, I mean, Division One teams, the best teams, I, I don't. I don't think we could have beat the best Division One teams in the state, but I'm sure we could have beat a lot of Division One teams. So, Tiny Edgar, Wisconsin, I know that this is a proud program, but this year, this team was a very competitive Division Two team, basically, in your mind, two, maybe three, playing in D7, which is just pretty wild to, to wrap right. your head around. Right, yeah. Yeah I, would, yeah, I would say so, yeah. 
Where does this team rank among the best that you've coached here? Well, we talked about that among the coaches. And, of course, it's hard to say because, once again, we didn't play all those playoff games. But we did play two playoff games against – well, actually three because Reedsville was our, our seventh game and they were an undefeated team in our division. And then, and then Pacelli and then – Iola, so it was basically we had three playoff games against teams that, you know, were like our size, and all we won all of them, you know, pretty handily. But um, overall, I I don't know. Uh, like I've said before, I don't think we'll ever have a team as good as we had in 2009 because we had, I believe it was eight guys in that team that were first-team All-Staters, uh, four, four in 2009 and then four more of them in 2010 that were starting as juniors, you see, in 2009. I think we had four or five guys each of those years that played in the All-Star game. Many of those guys went to college and, you know, some of them to Big Ten schools and some to Mankato and some to Point or, you know, Eau Claire, those types of schools. And all of them had good college football careers. So it was that team, because of their size, and um, and experience and so on was a team that you know I don't think we'll ever have another team like that but other teams that we had um, you know we, we've had obviously numerous state championship teams I think these guys probably could have competed with just about any of the other ones top five bare minimum right yeah I would think so yeah probably so I know that the plan was originally for this to be the grand finale for you this past season. COVID interrupted that. Right now, would you say the odds on bet is that next year is it for you or has your mind changed at all? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think anymore. I mentioned this book to you, you know, <laughs> when you came in. Well, tell, uh, tell the people at home the book, the book by the way, because I'm uh, intrigued by it too. Yeah, Once a Warrior by Jake Wood, a former player at the University of Wisconsin. Just a great book. He formed Team Rubicana, Disaster Relief Group, and it's, it's just an amazing story to read if you want to read with uh, you know, staying at home. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, when I read about these guys and, and guys who were in the military and, and serving tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, and then when they came home, nothing else in their life fulfilled them as much. I'm thinking to myself, is there anything else that I want to be able to do that's as exciting and rewarding and fulfilling as coaching? And if there isn't, well, then if I'm healthy, why would why should I quit? <laughs> right. Kind of a thing. So I'm, I'm rethinking it. Um, and I, I can't say for sure one way or another. Um, next year is so up in the air right now. We have no game for week one right now. We have no game for week three. Um, we have Stratford week two and I believe Colby week four, which are going to be two very good opponents. Uh, I sure hope we find somebody for week one so we don't, you know, and I hope we find somebody for week three, but then we still have a couple other buys in our schedule after that too because of teams in Merrillwood going eight-man this year. So things are still up in the air for next year. And um, so I, I don't know. I, I just can't say. I, I know that I'll, I'll stick with it next year if I'm healthy and, and then I'll have to make the decision. So it sounds like the itch is certainly not gone. If you were to walk away, it would purely be to just have more time on your hands, I imagine, right? But the fire's still there. Right, right. Yeah, it would 
it would be just to give some of my assistant coaches that that's the main thing in my mind yeah just you know yeah the assistant coaches that are are certainly willing and ready to take over and and so um i kind of feel like maybe i owe it to some of them to just give them that opportunity very nice well i mean anyone that watched you guys this year it was one of the most impressive teams in high school athletics that I've seen in my this is my third fall season up here in Wausau. Uh, it was a pleasure to watch you guys. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Coach Jerry Sins, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Matt. All right, Noah, we're going to toss it back to you. Thanks, Matt. Love hearing from Jerry. He's such a fun guy to talk to, and hopefully they find an opponent for week one. That might be an issue. If they don't, that's all for this episode of the Highlight Zone podcast. If you have any episode ideas, feel free to email sports at WSAW.com. We'd love to hear from you. But until next time, thank you for listening to the WSAW Highlight Zone podcast and take care.